0: Helps if I turn the power on to that thing. It's good to see Eric back and Lacey back. I heard they had some nice weather down there, so praise the Lord. They didn't have anybody getting sick and no snowstorms in Florida this time, so that was good. I'm glad they had a good time. Good to see you guys back. We missed you. We're in Luke chapter 22 tonight, and tonight I want to look at the subject of you've fallen, but you can get up, and uh, I really... Feel that it's God's will that I preach this message tonight. Um, Maybe be some encouragement to you, um, as it has been an encouragement to me already, is preparing for this tonight. And, um, you know, as we look at the subject of falling, and as a child of God, have you ever fallen? (laughs) Have you ever messed up? Have you ever been tripped up? I mean, you've gotten to that place in your life when you've done something you know that uh, while you're running the race, that uh, it seems like you got tripped up either by your old sinful nature or the devil. It seemed like he put something there. It tripped you. Um, he's gotten you to fall. And um, you fell. And the thing I want to just tonight, I want to really try to encourage you because the, the fact is, if you've fallen, it doesn't make you a failure. What makes us a failure is if we don't get back up. The Word of God is very clear about that because every one of us, we're, we're going to go through times when we do fall, we do fail, where we do sin. We do get tripped up. The key is, what are we going to do when we fall? Are we going to stay there, or are we going to get back up? I love what it says in Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16. It says, For a just man falleth seven times, and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. And so getting back up is the key. It's so important we understand that. Now, with that in mind, as we're looking here in Luke chapter 22, I want to pose the question of this. What would you think about a preacher that got caught cussing in front of some of the teenagers. How would you feel about that, preacher? Now, by the way, this isn't a, a um, uh, tonight me uh, uh, confessing to the fact that I did that. I did not. Um, but Peter did. One of the disciples, the apostles, did. And we look at what he did in his life, and you know he's one of the heroes of the faith. There's no question about that. Yet we see that he did fall, he did stumble, he did have a moment in his life when he was challenged and he did trip and fall, no question. And I want us to look here and and see tonight how God gave Peter a new start. He learned how to, you might say, fail forward. And I want you to look here, if you would, Luke chapter 22, look at verse 54. Luke 22, verse 54, Then took they him and led him, and brought him into the high priest's house. And Peter followed afar off. And when they had kindled the fire in the midst of the hall, and were sat down together, Peter sat down among them. But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire, and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with him. And he denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not. By the way, when it says he denied him, it's talking about the Lord. Verse 58 And after a little while, another saw him and said, Thou art also of them. And Peter said, Man, I am not. And about the space of an hour after another, confidently confirmed, saying, Of a truth, this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crew. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for uh, your grace, your redeeming grace, your sustaining grace. Lord, we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you so much, Lord, for allowing us in our life, Lord, to even go through... Uh, trials and challenges and difficulties, Lord, that we might um, learn and grow. What I pray that we would tonight learn as we look at this beautiful picture uh, negatively about Peter, but yet positively to see how you worked through it, how you knew what Peter was going to do and how you used Peter in such a great and powerful way. What I pray that you'd encourage us tonight, strengthen us, help our faith to grow. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing I want to just share with you tonight is this. Number one, failure doesn't have to be a hitching post. It can be a guiding post. Failure in your life doesn't have to be something that you failed and now you're going to tie yourself off to that and you're stuck in that spot the rest of your life. We don't have to look at it that way. We can use it as something that can guide us. We can learn from our failures and our sins. God has a way of bringing good out of bad. Um, You know, there's sometimes the people that have low self-esteem. They think that God sees them for all their failures. God sees them for all of the horrible things they've done. God sees you as a composite of all the negatives that you have in your life. God doesn't look at us that way. God definitely, obviously, He sees when we sin. God knows that. There's no doubt. You can't hide it from God. God sees it. But as a child of God, God does not see us for the sum of all our failures. What God sees when He looks at us is His children. If you've trusted in Christ as your personal Savior, God sees you as His Son, as His daughter. And God, He forgives. And God, He forgets. The Bible says He removes our sin as far as East is from West. God takes it away. God blots it out. God will take that sin and remove it from us. And when God looks at me, listen, I can look back at my life and I can see the times I had the wrong thought. I said the wrong things. I did the wrong things. And I can allow that to, to cause me to get to the place where I think that God must not have any uh, of value in me. But listen, we need to remember that God, He forgives, He forgets. God loves us. Now that doesn't mean there's no consequences for sin. Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Because of God's grace doesn't mean we should continue to sin, but there is consequences for sin. But from the judgmental perspective, what God sees right now positionally is that I am positionally his child. He sees me through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. God doesn't hold those things against us. God will he'll punish who He uh, He'll, he'll chasten, He'll punish whom the Lord loveth, He also chasteth and scourges, the Bible says. But he does it because he loves us. But it's not because he looks at us because we're a horrible thing that he no longer loves. He looks at us as somebody that needs to learn through this, and he will discipline us because he loves us. But listen, it's not something that God sees us that way the rest of our life as though we're never going to be what we could be in God's eyes again. We'll always be a child of God. Secondly, if we fail God, it will probably be at a point of our greatest strength strength. You think about Peter. What was one of his greatest strengths? What would you say would be his greatest strength? Thing that you saw that he did again and again and again. Would you say that he was a wimp and he always hid? No, that wouldn't be it. I wouldn't say that at all. What, what was something that jumped out? I mean, he was courageous. You think about the things that he did. I mean, here is a man that, 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 that uh, you know, we criticize Peter for taking his eyes off the Lord when he stepped outside the boat, but he's the only disciple that did. He's the only one that walked on water. He, he took a courageous step. He was the only one when they came to take Jesus. And you remember how that he took out his sword and tried to defend Jesus, even though it wasn't the right thing to do at that time. But you'd have to say his strength was he was courageous. Sometimes he would step out and put himself in a situation because of that. And so you look at that and you think, man, here's a man that's so courageous. However, this big burly fisherman, he cowered down before a teenage girl and denied the Lord Jesus Christ. And his great strength, yet he was was his greatest failure. You know, we see this again and again in the Bible. You think about Moses. Moses, the Bible says that he was the meekest. Meekness. What does meekness mean? It means strength under control. It's being able to have the power to crush the person and yet, you know, not doing that. Moses was a meek man. There's no question about that. He was an amazing man. He had strength under control again and again and again. One of my heroes of the faith, I look at how he led the children of Israel and all the challenges that he faced when he did. All the difficulties that he went through and all the griping and complaining that they had. And yet, you see that Moses, he had the power of God all over him. And he had the, the, the power and might of God on him. And yet, all, listen, he had such meekness. And yet, you look at his failure. One of the failures early in his life was he lost control and he killed the Egyptian guard. No meekness there. Later on in his life, instead of, he, he struck the rock twice and disobeyed God. And he did it not in meekness, but in the anger. His greatest, uh, you might say, strength is where he fell. How about Abraham? What was Abraham known for? What was his greatest strength? What does the Bible say his greatest strength was? What do you think? Faith, faith absolutely. Faith. Boy, I'd like to have the faith of Abraham. To be able to have the faith like he had. Now I have the faith because I've trusted in Christ as my Savior. I'm talking about faith to trust in God and go to a new place that I don't even know where it's going to be and just take one step at a time by faith and trust God to lead you along the way. You think about all the things that God did and how God worked and how faith in the faith to offer up your son. You think about the faith involved in that and and, and even telling his son that God will provide. A lamb. God, God's going to take care of this and, and being willing to do that. You want to talk about faith. And yet, where did he fail? He gets down to Egypt. He lies to Pharaoh. He doesn't have enough faith to believe that God will protect him and his wife. He tells Pharaoh, this is my sister, because he was afraid that he would be killed or he would, it would take his wife from him. And, and listen, he, he was afraid he did not have any faith. God would have protected him, but he failed in his area of strength. How about David? What does the Bible say about David? A man after God's own heart. The, the apple of God's eye. God saw him. Saw him in such a great light. You think about here's a man that, I mean, here's a man that, that is committed to God. Here is a man that, when you say a man of God's own heart, man, that's, that's talking about a heart thing. being a, a heart that is pure, a heart that is righteous, a heart that loves God. A heart that desired to serve God and to follow God. And here's a man that committed adultery. Here's a man that committed murder. He failed in his area of strength. We could go on and on and on, but none of these that we look at here, they, they failed in their weakness. All of them did. They, they, didn't, they did not have victory in their strength. They failed in that, that 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 strength. They did not fail in their weakness. They failed in their strength. Let me get my tongue untied. Here they were. They thought they could, you know, they had all of the strength, and yet that's exactly where they failed. You see, the problem is we we have to be so careful with this because we have a tendency to leave our strengths unguarded. God, I got this. I'll never do that. You ever looked at what somebody else did and you say, well, I would never do that. Man, that's that's just not me. Oh, be careful. Be careful. I've heard it said that an unguarded strength is a double weakness. We got a strength. I'll tell you what, if we're not careful, that's the exact area that we'll find ourselves falling in becomes a weakness to us. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 12.10. He said, When I am weak, then am I strong. When I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. It's then that I'm depending on the Lord and not myself. We have to become weak and realize it's not because I'm going to do good all the time because I'm a good person. I would never do this. I'm only going to do this. No. We need to understand our frailty and understand we have to become weak before God and say, God, I trust in you. God, give me the victory. I'm relying completely on you for the victory. What happens, though, sometimes our pride rares up. What does the Bible say about pride? Pride comes before destruction. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18. Pride goes before destruction, the Bible says. The New Testament echoes that same in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, when it says, Let him that thinketh, he standeth, take heed lest he fall. We've got to be so careful. Look back at our text there. Look at chapter 22, look at verse number 33. Go back a few verses. Look at verse 33. I think most of us remember what's going on here. Lord's telling him what's going to happen. Lord's telling him that he's going to go through the sifting. And then in verse thirty-three, Peter replies to the Lord, and he said unto him, "Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. I'm ready, Lord." You know, I could admire Peter's statement at first glance. I could admire that, but there's a difference between saying, "I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me," and saying. I can do all things. There's a big difference between it. And obviously when we see this, I mean, we know what happens after it. Of course, we, we've, got, you know, we can, we've got rear view vision here. We see in what happened at this time. He doesn't know what's going to happen. The Lord does. I look at it and I say, how could he even say this? He's obviously not going to do it in the strength of the Lord. He, here he is. He's saying, I got this, Lord. I mean, I'm going to go to prison with you and I'll even die for you. You know, the boastful man is tempting the devil to tempt him. Huh, devil, you could never get me on this one. The boastful man is tempting the devil to tempt him. We need to be so careful with that. Yes, we can do all things through Christ which strengthens us, but I can't do it in my own strength. I can only do it in the power of Christ in me. Thirdly, Before we sin, the devil in our old flesh is a tempter. After we sin, the devil's the accuser. And our old flesh jumps right in. Before we sin, the devil's like, hey, man, you can go do this. It's no problem. And our flesh just kind of goes, yeah, 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 man. It's great. Remember when we used to do this? You can do this. You're not going to get caught. The devil's egging you on. You go ahead and do it. It's so much fun. You're not going to get in trouble. You're not going to get caught. You can do it. Hey, just, just go. Listen, you miss this. Go do it. And the, the flesh is just cheering you on. That's before you sin. Afterwards, though. What happens now? Oh, boy. It's a whole different ballgame now. The devil becomes the accuser. The devil begins to accuse, that your old sinful nature begins to accuse. See, our old sinful nature does not want to be put down, does not want to be crucified, does not want to die. Our old sinful nature now begins to attack because he wants to stay in control. He begins to attack, and the devil begins to attack and begins to accuse and says, listen, you're you're never going to get away with this. Man, you've messed up. You've done it so bad. How, How could God ever forgive you for this? How could you ever move forward? How could you ever serve God? again you might as well just throw in the towel and give up and the rest of your life you might as well just live in the flesh you see satan's goal is not only for you to fall but for you to stay down that's what he wants he wants you to stay down the question is what are we going to do when we fall what are we going to do when we fall We need to learn to fall forward. We need to learn that when we do fall, when we do fail, that we move forward with it. We don't stay down. And so I want to give you three wonderful truths that will encourage you, I hope, tonight. Because if you haven't fallen this week, if you haven't fallen this last month, there's a good possibility that you might fall this week. Now, I'm not trying to encourage that, but what I'm saying is we all live in the flesh, and there's times when we do fall. There are times when we say the wrong thing, we do the wrong thing, we have the wrong thought. When we sin before God. But there are three wonderful truths I want to share with you. And number one is this. Even when we fail, God is still sovereign. Even when we fail, God is still sovereign. That means that God is in control. Even when I have failed, God is still in control. God is still God. He is still my Lord. He is still in control of my life. Look at verse number 60. Jump back there if you would. Luke 22, verse 60. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crew. And it's, it's, it's just an interesting thing when we think about this. All right, here he is, he's failed, he has denied the Lord three times, and yet God is still sovereign, God is still in control. You see, that rooster crowing is a testimony that God was still in control. The Lord had shut the the beaks of hundreds of roosters until the precise moment of that third denial. That time that came in that morning, it was until after Peter had denied him three times, then the cock crew. Look at verse 61. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter, And Peter remembered the word of the Lord. How he had said unto him before the cock crow, Thou shalt deny me thrice. He remembered. Here we see Peter right now at his worst, his lowest, his failing, falling. He's out of control. He has denied him three times. And at that exact moment, he gets a message from the Lord I'm still in control. I'm still in control. He remembered what the Lord had said. God was in control. God is sovereign. 2 Timothy 2.13 says this, If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. I mean, even in those times when we don't believe as we should, even in those times when we don't have the faith that we should, even in those times when it feels like, hey, I I feel so disconnected and I'm not faithful as I should, God is still in control. God is still faithful. God is abiding faithful always for us. We fail, but God never fails. Often we're not faithful to Him as we should be, but... Great is His faithfulness. He is so faithful to us. often we're not great in what we do, but how great thou art. God is always great. God is always sovereign. God is always in control. God is always faithful to us. And if we believe not, yet He abideth faithful. Even in those times we don't have the faith that we should have. Even in those times when we don't do exactly what we knew we should have done. He is still faithful to us. You see, to learn to fail forward, we must remember that even in our deepest despair and when we feel out of control, God is still in control. God is still sovereign. There's a poem that says it this way. Pick up the broken pieces and bring them to the Lord. Trust in His holy word. He will put them back together and make your life complete. Just place the broken pieces at the Savior's feet. You might feel like you've blown it tonight. You may feel like that you've dropped the ball. You've, I mean, it's been, and it might be something that's happened and, and it's caused even to, to shake your faith. And you feel like you've blown it. You feel like that, man, could God ever use me? Could God ever forgive me? Maybe you feel that way. But no matter what you've done, listen, God still has a wonderful plan for your life, God still has a purpose for your life, God is still in control third secondly when we fail god is sympathetic god is sympathetic look at verse number 61 once again notice what it says and the lord turned and looked upon peter and peter remembered the word of the lord how he had said unto him before the cock crow thou shalt deny me thrice once again at that exact moment that exact moment he turned and their eyes met you ever thought about that, that gaze that he saw at that moment? Put yourself in Peter's position. He just denied him three times. He did exactly what he said he would never do. At that exact moment, as that cock crow, crew, he, here he looks over and the eyes meet, and Jesus and him look eye to eye at one another. What did Peter see? Did he see disgust? I mean, did he see judgment? I don't believe that's what he saw at all. I believe what he saw in the eyes of Jesus was love. Love. Unconditional love. Peter saw it. You see, God's not changing us so he can love us. You ever thought about that? God doesn't change you so he can love you. God loves us, so He changes us. That's why we need to be changed, because God loves us. Not because we need to somehow find a way for God to love us by Him changing us. No, God changes us because He loves us. God does not love us because we are valuable. We are valuable because God loves us. That's where our value comes from. You see, God loves you just as you are he loves you so much he's not going to let you stay that way. He loves you just as you are and he's not going to let you stay that way. Now don't misunderstand what I just said. I didn't say that God loves your sin. No, no. God loves you. He loves you because he gave his son to die for you. He did everything to have a relationship with you. I'm talking about loving you, not talking about the sin. I'm talking about loving the sinner. God loves you And because He loves you, He's not going to let you stay that way. God will transform you and God will change you. When we fail, God is sympathetic. He understands. In Psalms 103, verse 14, it says, like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear Him. For He knoweth our frame, He remembereth that we are dust. Sometimes we as fathers are a little too hard on our children. Yeah. And sometimes I look at my kids and I think to myself, you know what? They just don't understand. It causes me to pity their situation. I'm talking about having understanding. Have some sympathy or uh, maybe patience with them is a better word. And it says, like as the father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. He knows our frame. He knows our weakness. That doesn't mean it's condoning. It doesn't mean that, that He says it's okay that we sin. Remember, because He loves us, He changes us. And because He loves us, He paid for that sin. But He understands. He knows our situation. He knows that we are sinners and He knows that we have a sinful nature. So good to know that when we fall, that he's sympathetic, that he's sovereign. There was a couple that was named the Yorks, Mr. and Mrs. York, Parker and Flossie, up in years they got. Flossie got Alzheimer's. Gradually, but eventually, she was completely incoherent. You couldn't have a conversation with her, everything she said didn't make any sense. There was no conversation, the, the talking with, between one another. The house became very quiet. A very sad situation for the couple. Parker didn't give up on Flossie. Mr. Parker, he later recounted how he had to do everything for her: he had to feed her, bathe her, turn her over, and make sure that she didn't lay too long on one side, change her diapers. care of everything. One day, sitting in their living room, she miraculously stepped out of her illness for a moment and she looked at Parker and said, Do you want me? Do you love me? He said it broke my heart. I ran to her and said, Of course, of course I want you. Of course I love you. The greatest privilege of my life is caring for you. And she smiled. And just as quickly as she stepped out of her illness, she slipped back in. You know, I think that sometimes we feel that we have failed God. And we ask and we wonder, does God really want us? Does God still love us? We're almost embarrassed to go to Him in prayer. Embarrassed to ask for forgiveness for What we had done. Maybe that old sin, that sin that so easily beset us, we we did it again. And the devil causes us to look to heaven and wonder, God, do You really want me back? God, do You really care? God, do You really love me? Hey, listen. The good news is this, that He loves you. He will always love you. He always wants you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He's there. He's there right now waiting patiently. He's sovereign. He can take the terrible situation that you're in in your life and even turn it into something positive. And when we fail, he's sympathetic. Thirdly, even when we fail, we are secure. Even when we fail, we are secure. Let me ask you tonight, aren't you glad that your salvation does not depend on you? If it did, not a one of us would be saved tonight. And if somehow you were able to get to the perfection moment, which you haven't and none of us have, after you got saved, I guarantee you, you wouldn't have kept Perfection. I'm thankful tonight that it's not dependent on us to keep our salvation. If you've been born again, it's because of what God has done for you, because of His love for you. He has done all for you. All of our salvation is from Him. And listen, it's going to be something that's never going to change, because God is eternal. God is the one that has decided what He's going to do for you, and when you accepted that gift of Christ as your Savior, believing that Christ died for you and that He rose again, and you accepted that gift, you became. became a child of God, you were born again and you are forever changed. You are safe and secure in His mighty arms. He's never going to let go of you. Never. Even when we fail, we are secure. Look at verse number 31. Jump back there if you would. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you. That he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee. I want you to think about that. But I have prayed for thee. Jesus says, I'm praying for you, Peter. I've prayed for you. I, want you to, I don't want to even go any further because I want you to think about what that means right there. He's praying for him. You know what? I have a high priest, it's the Lord Jesus Christ making intercession for me. He prays for you. He knows your frailty. He knows what you're going through. He knows the things you're going to face. He knows everything that you've ever done or will ever do. And He's praying for you. He says, I prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. I'm praying for you. He, he knew what he was going to do. You see, Satan, he wanted to sift Peter. He wanted to sift him so he could condemn him. And Jesus allowed the sifting in order to cleanse Peter. Peter needed to go through this He knew what the devil was going to do. The Lord did. He knew exactly what the devil was going to do. And Peter needed to go through that. Jesus, he he knew that there was some chaff in in Peter's life that needed to be taken care of. And and, and Peter perhaps never would have dealt with it if he hadn't gone through that that trial. and, And knowing that, that doesn't mean the Lord tempted him. He just knew that the devil was going to tempt him. Because the devil wanted to try to get Peter out. Wanted to destroy him. But here's the thing. Jesus is not concentrating on the chaff in your life. He sees the wheat. He sees the wheat. He sees what he wants to do in your life. He wants to work in your life. He wants to cleanse you. You see, there's three things that Jesus knew about Peter. He knew about his failure. He knew how he was going to fail He knew that Peter's faith needed to grow. He knew how it would grow. He knew what's going to happen. He knew about Peter's future. His failure, his faith, his future. Failure. Peter blew it big time. He goes from saying, I'll I'll do anything for you, Lord. I I, I mean, listen, I'll I'll go to prison. I'll even die for you. Hmm. He blows it yet Jesus, what does he say? <laughs> yeah, you're going to deny me, but you're going to grow stronger through this. A chaff is going to get taken care of. It's going to get out of your life. I, I see what I'm going to do in your life. I'm going to do great things in your life. I see the future. You're going to preach on the day of Pentecost, and 3,000 people are going to get saved. I mean, you're going to write many books in the, the New Testament, and I'm going to work through you in a great and powerful way. Jesus knew all about this at that moment. He wasn't through with him He had a plan for him He had a purpose for him Even in his failure Even in his lack of faith God was going to work in his life and He had a future And God had a plan Maybe you failed Who hasn't? Fallen Maybe even right now you're fallen. Get back up Don't stay down Can you see the sovereign Lord behind your struggles? Can you see that God can even work through that? Can you see that God, He He knows where you're at and that He will forgive you? He has a plan for your life, a purpose for your life. He loves you. You're secure. Don't let the old flesh have the victory. Don't let the devil have the victory in your life. Get up. Get up. Get up. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed as we pray. Lord, we thank you tonight for your love for us. Lord, that even when we fail, that we're secure. Lord, that even in our life, when we feel like that we've failed, that you're sympathetic and you understand you don't condone our sin, but Lord, you know you know our frame. Lord, I thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you that you are a God that is sovereign and in control. Lord, I pray that we would not allow the old flesh to have victory in our life, for the devil to have victory in our life, not allow the failure or the sin, the fall to keep us down, but Lord, that we would get back up. With our heads bowed and eyes closed tonight, let me ask you, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Have you been born again? Have you trusted in Christ as your Savior? If you've been born again and you know you're saved and on your way to heaven, would you lift your hand up high and say, Yes, I know I'm saved? God bless me. Put your hands down. Praise the Lord. God loves you. God knows everything about you. And yet He still loves you unconditionally. Where are you at right now? Are you on the mountaintop thinking that nothing could get you down? Get your eyes on the Lord. You're one step away from that trip and fall. You think it can't happen to you? Get your eyes on the Lord. Realize your frailty, your weakness, and put your faith and trust in God, and not yourself, not your self-righteousness. Get your eyes on the Lord. You've fallen? Don't stay down. Get back up. God has a plan. God has a purpose for your life. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God will clean you up. God has a future. God has a plan. God wants to work in a great and mighty and powerful way in your life. God wants you to have victory. God is faithful. It might be that you need to just pray and say, Lord, help me with my unbelief tonight. Lord, help me to trust in you more. Is God speaking to your heart? Lord, I pray that you'd move in our hearts. Lord, I pray that we'd listen as you speak. May we respond to your voice.